Mamba. Nothing personal. Word of the day, April 20th is Mamba. Kobe Bryant passed away in January of 2020 in the helicopter accident. It seems like yesterday and it seems like 20 years ago, which is a strange pandemic time warp that we're all in. But lest you think that when someone dies, there are not fights and arguments over money going forward, you'd be incorrect. Lest you think that people who benefit from someone don't want to keep benefiting from that person even after his or her death, then you'd be mistaken. Lest you think that families don't fight over money upon the death of a relative, you'd be mistaken. Companies fight over trademarks every day. There's an entire part of our legal system that is based on these type of fights, copyright infringements and patents, and they're all about money, you know that. Who's gonna get paid for what and where and when? Vanessa Bryan has had to walk a very tough line since January of 2020. It's been about a year and a half. She has surviving children. She lost a daughter and a husband the same day. There is no recovering from that ever. She will be grieving and suffering her entire life, as will the other siblings. But at some point, business takes over. Vanessa Bryant got involved in a lawsuit, not for money, but for reputation. She did not want the pictures of the helicopter scene made public that were illegally taken. She got involved in a lawsuit suing the Los Angeles Police Department some of whom had taken pictures of the scene and were disseminating those pictures. But as time goes on, when you're dealing with death and you're going through the stages of grieving, you have a laundry list of things that have to get done from the mundane, giving away clothes, to the serious and to the financially important, which is figuring out how to deal with all the money that exists and how to deal with the money that still could exist. Not many people have this when they die, but some people do. Some people, when they die, their name lives on forever. Their brand lives on. Commerce lives on. And money is being printed. Word came out today that Vanessa Bryant, who is in charge of Kobe's estate, who has taken over the business of being Kobe, and it was a big business. Kobe was a Nike endorser, had a huge deal with Nike. The deal with Nike expired in April of 2021. There had been a five-year extension signed once Kobe retired, and Kobe did not survive to the end of the extension, but the contract ran out and Vanessa and Nike could not come to an agreement. So if you're Nike and you are in this situation, it is not about doing what's right and having emotions play a part in it. It's about figuring out what is best for your shareholders. Kobe has a signature shoe and line, the Mamba line that is incredibly successful. Do you know they've released over 10 Shoes, special Kobe shoes, 10 of them since he died. They all sold out. Demand is much greater than supply purposefully. You always want demand to outstrip supply. If you manufacture 
millions of pairs of shoes and half of them are not sold, you've got the spasmodica. Do you know that spasmodica, Coca? Do you know what I'm talking about? From the movie Elizabeth Town? But if you release 10,000 and they sell out immediately, you're creating demand by quashing supply. So Nike goes to Vanessa and says, it's time to renew. You own the Mamba trademark. We together own the sheath, which goes on the tongue of the sneaker. You own Vanessa, the signature. Here's what we're willing to do on a renewal. And Vanessa said, that's not good enough. I want to be LeBron. You signed LeBron to a lifetime deal. Why don't we get that? To which Nike couldn't say, but LeBron is still alive because that wouldn't go over well. Nike was forced to explain to Vanessa the reality of the sales of Kobe shoes, what their expected revenue would be. Because for Nike, they get together, they do a spreadsheet. The spreadsheet is based on previous sales and they forecast future sales into the into the model and they show Vanessa, this is what we expect and this is what we're willing to pay to realize that money. If you want more than that, the margins simply are not worth it to us and we can't do it. To which Vanessa says, this is Kobe. To which Nike says, we understand, but there's currently no way to do more. People are saying, don't worry, it'll all work out. Nike and Vanessa will figure out a way. I'm not sure that's going to happen in this case because I get the feeling that Vanessa is overvaluing Kobe's line of shoes and apparel. And she's overvaluing it because she's adding emotion to it. Emotion that has existed since January of 2020 without a doubt. But unfortunately, emotion that will wane with time. Kobe Bryant will always be known and remembered. But as kids who are born today start buying sneakers in 6, 8, 10, 12 years, Kobe will be a name of the past. His legacy will survive him, but his numbers won't. There will be new players who are worthy of the larger deals, the lifetime deals. And Nike knows very well that you cannot attach your star to everyone. It is the sad part of business, isn't it, folks? The reality of when hard, unemotional business decisions have to be made. And Nike has to go through the PR that it's currently going through right now. People questioning, why? Why are you doing this to Vanessa? Why are you making it so we can't get Kobe shoes so there'll be no more Mamba releases? The reason why the people in charge of Nike are in charge of Nike and the reason why they have the market cap they have is simply because they know how to make the right decisions where other shoe companies who come and go do not. We could go on and on and tell you about the companies from Under Armour to And One who have tried to get into the shoe business to varying degrees of success. Nike has always been the best hard stop. But don't worry, Kobe Bryant will get another shoe deal posthumously. I'm quite confident of that. 
What Vanessa is doing now is she is taking the sales that Nike had with the Kobe shoes. She's preparing her own set of numbers through her business advisors, and she's going to shop Kobe to all the different apparel makers and shoemakers and try to get the longest, best, most expensive, most profitable ever signed deal for a player who has passed away. And I'm not being unemotional about Kobe. It's terrible that he died so young. I am just being pragmatic. So wait to see, folks. It's the April 20th. Wait to see. I was going to do something a little different. I was going to say, wait to see what happens in minute 47 of this show today. But there'd be no way to prove it. Except you'd have to take my word for it because it's April 20th. But wait to see is that Kobe Bryant will get another shoe deal posthumously. And it's not going to be with Nike. Because if Nike were going to re-sign with Kobe, they would not have gone through the negative PR associated with leaving Vanessa the way they did. If they knew they were going to get a deal or they maybe they, you know what they could have done, Coca? Yeah, but I would have had them do this earlier. They may have said, Vanessa, shop it. See if you can do better, knowing that they wouldn't and that she'd come right back to Nike. The question is, will Vanessa have such pride and such anger toward them over the fact that there are no kid sizes available, over the fact that she doesn't feel as though Nike's done enough to make the Mamba shoes available to as many people as possible? She's been vocal about that frustration. Can she find better? Nike is saying, maybe. Vanessa is saying, definitely. And I'm saying, wait to see. Kobe's got another deal coming. It's April 20th, Coca. You know what I want? <laughs> I want to talk to Samson. Today is the ultimate day for So You Want to Talk to Samson. Everyone's got a day. There's National Coffee Drinkers Day. There's National Sibling Day. There's National Your Parents Got Divorced Twice Day. There's National Anything You Can Think Of Day. Today, April 20th, is National Let's Get Stone Day. I actually don't know why that's the day. It's just April 20th. I'm sure there is a provenance of such day. Although, actually, most days are just made up by card companies, so you have to buy a card. Happy Valentine's Day. Buy a card. So we do a segment called So You Want to Talk to Samson. It's where you get into my Twitter at David P. Samson. Ask a question. If it's trending and current, I'll try to answer it on the show. <clears throat> if it's more evergreen, I'll try to answer it on the end of month mailbag episode that we do, where you go into Apple and rate and review and write, it, write a uh, question. If it's neither trendy nor interesting, I still may answer it directly to you on DM. Or because there's so many, I may not get to it. But this one I got to. This is the special April 20th. So you want to talk to Samson. How serious is the Super League concept you discussed yesterday? Any question that came to me for April 20th that had the word serious in it was going to be asked. But we had to cover Super League again because it's gotten quite a bit of attention around the world. Politicians are getting involved. Boris Johnson, the prime minister of UK, who I'd like to believe has more to do, has said that he will do everything he can, including a legislative response in order to stop the Super League. Shaka Khan, the owner of the Jacksonville Jaguars, who also owns 
one of the Premier League teams. Coca, I'm almost positive I made a mistake. I believe Shaka Khan is a singer from the 80s. I feel for you. I think I love you. That's Shaka Khan. His name is Shad Khan. Thank you. Sorry, Coca. Shaka Khan is in my mind. You're in my mind. You're in my heart. Shaka Khan owns a team called Fulham. Do you know that team, folks? Fulham was not invited to be in the Super League. What do you do when you're a super rich guy and you're not invited into an exclusive party? You start Facebook. What do you do when you're a super rich guy who can't get invited into something? You say, who the hell wants to be there anyway? That's full of snobs and greedy people. My name is Shad Khan and I'm not greedy. I am here for the fans. I love you, Jacksonville. I love you, Fulham. It's all about you. It's not about me. It's about you. What can you do for me? So we've got some lines drawn in the sand. Those who are on the right side and those who are on the I want to be on the right side. It reminds me of the Sneetches, the great Dr. Seuss story. If you've never read it, please do. The Sneetches are about a group of animals who have stars on their belly. And they are prejudiced against Nietzsche's who don't have stars on their belly. So some capitalist comes and says to the Nietzsche's without stars, I will give you stars. Just pay me 10 bucks. They go into a machine. They get a star. They come out of the machine. They have a star. They go to the other Nietzsche's who have stars. And they say, look, I'm one of you. I'm a super Sneetch. And the Nietzsche's with stars say, this is bogus. And they go up to the man who's got the star machine. And they say, take our stars off. We got to be able to tell the difference between who's got stars and who doesn't and who are the best Nietzsche's. So they go into the machine and they get their stars taken off. And then the Nietzsche's who didn't have stars, who then have stars, go back in the machines, get their stars taken off. And all they do is keep paying money to this man with the machine. And at the end, you don't know which Nietzsche's are who. And all of them realize that being prejudiced against Nietzsche's with stars or without stars makes no sense. The Super League are the Sneetches. They've got the stars. And they're trying to form this league. They're getting major pushback. I thought yesterday when I talked about it, I made it very clear that this concept of Super League is a concept that is real. It's a concept that is serious. It's a concept that makes complete sense for the Sneetches with stars. And the reason it does is they have put pen to paper and have done the math and realize that teams like Fulham and other such crappy teams in the Champions League, Premier League, the Serie A, other, all the leagues in Europe where the bottom feeders who are close to relegation, they stay in the bottom, are not bringing enough to the table. And I said, look out, baseball, where they've got a model very similar to football, soccer, that is. At some point, the rich teams are going to say, I've had enough of you and you and you and you and you. I'm sorry, fans of Kansas City and Miami and Tampa and Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I know you have a great history, but we're tired of holding you up and buttressing you with our money. We know for a fact that fans around this country generally are more interested in our team than your team, even though fans in your tiny 
part of the world, love your team. But if the Marlins and Royals and Pirates disappeared today, by the day after tomorrow, those fans would be fans of other teams. They wouldn't cancel their subscription to MLB.tv. Coca, do you know that MLB came out today with a press release about how successful the first couple weeks of the season have been on MLB.tv? And they talked about the no-hitters. They talked about the close games. They talked about the new superstars, yada, yada, yada. What they didn't talk about is why the streaming numbers are so much bigger. And that's because that is how people now engage with the product. What was purposefully left out of that press release that MLB did was that the reason that the league will grow and will continue to grow and gets the large national deals is because of the teams at the top. There is no greater thing for a league than when the better teams are good, when the better cities are good. Why do you think the NBA is so upset over the last two decades that the Knicks suck? Why do you think that the league thinks it's so important for the New York Yankees to get back to the World Series? Because when national broadcasters sign those deals and give all that money to leagues, they do it wanting the best and biggest markets there at the end. They don't want to worry about relegation. They don't want to worry about the top markets, the top DMAs, the top fan bases not being able to watch their team at the end. So if you're asking me in a very clear, concise way how serious the Super League concept is, it's very serious. It's not going away anytime soon. The head of the Super League, as you recall, is the Real Madrid president, Florentino Perez, 74-year-old guy. I want to read you a quote that I read, but I'm not going to tell you who said it. I want you to guess who said the following. We have to change and adapt. We have to analyze why young people, 16 to 24-year-olds, why 40% of them aren't interested in our sport. Why? Because there are a lot of low-quality games, and they have entertainment platforms to choose from that don't include us. What sport are we talking about, Coca? It's not April 20th yet. You promised you'd wait till minute 46. Hello, Coca? Coca, just get your Cheetos and your Fritos, get some Hostess cupcakes, and respond to me. What sport is he talking about? Baseball. Baseball has to change and adapt. We have to analyze why young people 16 to 24, 40% of them aren't interested in baseball. We have to make the game shorter. Basketball has to change and adapt. We have to analyze why young people 16 to 24, 40% of them aren't interested in basketball. Nope. The winner is the new president and chairman of the breakaway European Super League. The current president of Real Madrid, Florentino Perez. Football has to change and adapt. We have to analyze why young people, 16 to 24 year olds, 40% of them aren't interested in football. Why? Because there are a lot of low quality games. Uh-oh.
when you turn on ESPN on Sunday night and watch baseball, if it's crap team A against crap team B, are you watching? Well, if there's fantasy or if you gambled on it, maybe you will. Otherwise, no. Why do you think the NFL had to give the broadcast partners flexible scheduling? Because even the fantasy players and the gamblers don't want to watch the crap. They want to watch games which matter. That quote by Florentino Perez should tell you everything you need to know about how serious they are. There are low-quality games in the Premier League. The Premier League is not going to give up without a fight. They're threatening. FIFA threatened. No World Cup for any players. Players are beginning to question it. Anytime there's change, people get nervous. By definition, change leads to anxiety and stomach aches, butterflies. Right now, what you're seeing out of the Premier League and other leagues and, and prime ministers, et cetera, is just panic. We've got to be the voice of the people. The Premier League released a statement today that said, the 14 clubs at the meeting unanimously and vigorously rejected the plans for the competition. Premier League is considering all actions available to prevent it from progressing. Oh my God, Coca, that's the quote of the year. What do you think would happen if the Yankees and Red Sox, Dodgers and Cardinals and Cubs formed their own baseball league? You think the Royals, Pirates, Rays and Marlins wouldn't get together and have the exact same quote? The small market teams all got together yesterday and we decided we don't like the fact that all the large market teams, which give us so much money and enable our teams to be worth so much money, have decided to leave us in the dust. How about a company that disappears because it refuses to make computers and they want to keep making typewriters? You've got to keep me in business because people want our typewriters. No, they don't. They want computers. We did a whole show recently about Blockbuster. Remember that? There was a show we reviewed called The um, the Last Days of Blockbuster. The last Blockbuster, which is in Bend, Oregon. Blockbuster's gone. Netflix survives. There's many reasons for it, including Blockbuster not having the money to compete with Netflix on streaming and on content, etc. But the reality is, Life evolves, sports evolves, things change. And either you're in the boat, as Jason Bateman would say, and up in the air, or you're not. It seems to me that there's a new boat that's being built in Europe, and that boat could very well set sail for the United States of America. When we come back, we are going to make sure you made your money on the Nothing Personal Pick of the Day. We're going to review a movie about a dystopic society that may be not so dystopic. It may be real. And there is, of course, more Deshaun Watson news. We will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically. 
which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried and true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you so much for making it through the gauntlet of ads and for continuing to listen and follow and subscribe and rate and review. Please tell your friends about Nothing Personal. The word is spreading. I was about to say it's spreading like wildfire. And that is going to be an expression I'm not going to use anymore. One of the countries that I ran with a group of people, seven marathons, seven days, seven continents, we ran in Cape Town. It may not be making news where you are, but check it out on the interweb. Cape Town is on fire. There's an incredible site there called Tabletop Mountain. There are unbelievable fires going on. There's fires that happen domestically in California. But there is the expression spread like wildfire. I'm not going to use it anymore. I don't even know why I was thinking to say that right now. Oh, nothing personal is growing. It's spreading like COVID. That's probably not a good one either, Coca. We'll think of something how it's spreading. It's spreading like poison ivy. I was going to say, uh, how about this one? It's spreading like herpes. Nah, I don't want to say that. Songbird is the movie I watched yesterday. It just came out on Hulu. I think I watched it. Directed by, I don't know, produced by a guy named Bob Simons, who's a successful, amazing producer. And I say that not because I know him. I say that because he's that successful and interesting and smart. Check him out. See what he's done. Robert Simons, S-I-M. Uh-oh, Coca. Is it S-I-M-O-N-D-S? who was the executive producer of this. Check it out, Robert. He may have been under Bob, but I think it's Robert. In any way, they put a movie together filmed during the pandemic. No one's wearing masks. They must have quarantined the whole crew for two weeks, and then they filmed it. It's a film about COVID-23. Now, you know we've taught you that COVID-19 is because it started in 2019, even though to us the pandemic started in 2020. The strain of the virus is COVID-19. The irony is that a new strain of COVID-19 that's discovered in COVID in 2020 would actually be called COVID-20. It's not a strain of COVID-19. It could be a strain of COVID-19, but it would still be called COVID-20. Now, if there's a new strain, that'd be COVID-21. This movie's about COVID-23, and it ain't good. You die within a day. There are quarantine zones that reminded me of the movie Outbreak. It's a movie about a world where people have been in quarantine for multiple years. To me, it was too soon. I watched it thinking, when I watch futuristic movies, I think to myself, that's never going to happen in my lifetime. That can't happen. And I used to think that about movies like Outbreak. 
But now that COVID's happened, I'm much less apt to believe the impossible. I'm more apt to believe that it's all possible. And this is not a world you want any part of. So get vaccinated and wear a mask for Christ's sake. The movie is only okay. And I'm sorry, Bob, you know, I'm honest with you. Always. Some of your movies are just incredible. This movie was just okay. The reason why it gets a lower rating than it should have is that it was to me too soon to the pandemic. We reviewed another pandemic movie with uh, Anne Hathaway that was called Lockdown. I don't know if you remember that. And I didn't feel like Lockdown was about this crazy world. Songbird shows a world where you can't be on the streets. Everything has to be sanitized in a way that you can't even believe. The crime is crazy. There are people who are immune from COVID-23 and they're allowed outside, but they're the only ones. So there's a black market for people who can pretend they're immunized. It's a police state. Lockdown was just sort of a bizarre story that took place, I think, in London. And it was too early in the COVID pandemic for me to care. But this is late in the pandemic. I think it's late. I hope it's late. I don't know what to say, Coca. I think you got to watch it because I think it'll make you wear a mask and it'll make you get vaccinated and it will help us try to return to return to normalcy. Nothing personal pick of the day. Did you do it? Did you have the cojones to take the Brewers over the Padres? I know you were worried. But why would you be? We're now 52 and 32. I told you that Musgrove wouldn't be Woodruff, that Woodruff is actually pitching well, but only the second best starter on the Brewers. Check out Corbin Burnson. Yeah, the guy from LA Law in Major League. He's having an amazing season. The Brewers staff, even with Yelich out and Ryan Braun retired. The Brewers are playing okay, but last night was a give me. I have no idea why we were an underdog. Brewers beat. The Padres, 52 and 32. We got a pick for you today. We're picking against Johnny Vandermeer. Johnny Vandermeer is the only player ever to have two straight starts that were both no hitters. Carlos Rodon starts today for the Chicago White Sox. His first start since his no hitter. Do you remember how we did when we bet against Musgrove on his first start after his no hitter? And we did a wait to see that he will give up a hit in the first three innings. And we won that wait to see. And the Pirates beat the Padres in Musgrove's next start. Guess what? We are Cleveland. We are the Cleveland Indians or the Cleveland baseball team. I don't know what they are. All I know is the Indians over the White Sox and a special double wait to see. Put it in the rundown, Coca, so I don't forget it because I just thought of it now. Carlos Rodon will also give up a hit in the first three innings of today's game. Indians over the White Sox, nothing personal pick of the day. So these wait to sees that when we add them, I keep track. I have a spreadsheet. I keep track and I revisit them. Always. I'm tired of people not being accountable. When you have a microphone, you're accountable. Frankly, if you have a platform of one person and that one person is in your own household, you're still accountable. But when you have a microphone to as many people as we get to reach every day, I feel like accountability matters. And that's why we've kept wait to see from the beginning. And we will never, never say never. That's not true because you never know. We may sign a new deal with a new company who says, we will give Coca millions of dollars, except no more wait to cease. Coca would get rid of wait to see so fast your head would spin. 
like a dreidel. But I do revisit the wait to seize on April 6th of 2021. Two weeks ago today, when Nick Castellanos was given a two-game suspension, I said, you wait to see. That suspension will be cut in half on appeal to one game. MLB heard heard the uh, plea, the appeal, and they ruled, nope, we're keeping you at two games. My wait to see was wrong. Why did MLB do this? It's actually pretty simple. They did it because, as a consequentialist, it didn't matter that Yadier Molina and the Cardinals started it by hitting him. What mattered is not that Castellanos was taunting and standing over the catcher saying, look at me, I scored. It was actually over the pitcher, not the catcher. The pitcher was covering home on the play. What matters to baseball, and I didn't take this into account, and if I had, I would have had a better way to see that is this appeal will not be granted. Major League Baseball during the time of COVID will do anything to stop bench-clearing brawls. They do not want to risk teams being infected. They've already had enough problems this year. They've had issues in Minnesota. There's a new team that has a problem, Coca, and I completely am blanking on who it is, but it could be Minnesota. Anyway, baseball and Rob Manford are trying to be very clear. Do not do anything that causes players to have extra interaction on the field. And so, yeah, it's the Phillies. You're 100% right, Coca. Thank you. God, I love the IFBs. You know what IFB stands for? I have no idea. But it's the thing you put in your ear that you see people wear because that means there's someone somewhere talking to that person, feeding them things to say. Thank you, Coca. Thanks for waiting. You only have 13 minutes to go until April 20th. (sighs) When is Deshaun Watson not going to be a story? I guess we're going to have to keep talking, right? We started. We got to keep going, don't we? I think it's important. I think it's necessary. What stage are we in in the Deshaun Watson? Well, there were 22 or so lawsuits filed against Deshaun Watson. Some of them have been amended. Some of them have become not no longer anonymous in who the plaintiff is. A bunch of the women, a bunch of the masseuses who are alleging sexual misconduct have given their names. There's one case that's ahead of the others. And Deshaun Watson's attorney, Rusty Harden, submitted an answer, a response to the lawsuit filed against him. And I want to talk about what he said, why he said it, and then how Tony Busby, the ambulance chaser, has responded to the response. The way it works in litigation is that you're served a lawsuit, you read the lawsuit, and then you call a lawyer. Then you have your lawyer call the other lawyer and say, hey, are you really filing this? Yeah, I already filed it. You got served. All right, then I guess we have to answer the complaint. It's called answering the complaint because you file in a civil case. You file a complaint. You did something to me and I want to get paid. Sometimes there's something called specific performance, which is I don't want to get paid. I want to be made whole. You stop me from opening my store. I want my store to open. Specific performance. You must act on the contract and do what you promised to do. I can't give you an amount of money to make me whole. You have to do what you said you would do. The women who are suing Deshaun Watson aren't looking for specific performance. What they're specifically looking for is for him to write a check. So we know that's the case. 
But when you answer a complaint, if your client has done that which is contained in the complaint, you start putting up a lot of fires in different places. It's not really a bait and switch that I would call it. I would say it's a bunch of distractions that could cause any lawyer or any plaintiff to lose his or her mind because all of a sudden they're trying to answer all the different things that you are alleging in your response that at the end of the day may have no relevance. So the case here is about a masseuse who gives a massage to Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson says, how about if I turn over? How about once I turn over, you pleasure me? Or how about I pleasure myself, whatever the case may be? So what Deshaun Watson's lawyer did in his response is he pointed out all of the inconsistencies with all of these women. How could you have been forever impacted by my client's behavior and say that you can't work anymore when in fact you still give massages? How could you say that Deshaun Watson was nothing but a gentleman and ruined your life, but yet you were willing to massage him again? How could you say that you were scarred from the minute he left the room and the first thing you did was call your family and friends to say how cool it was that you just got to massage Deshaun Watson? How can you say that you have suffered emotional distress and that you can't have relationships or you can't do your work when you want to go on a date with Deshaun Watson following your massage? On and on and on. Deshaun Watson's attorney put all this stuff out there. When you answer a complaint in a legal proceeding, you don't have to tell the truth. You're not under oath. You're merely trying to get the other side to panic and amend their lawsuit, if not drop it. You're trying to set the stage for what you know will be a fight. And you're trying to tell the other side that you're going to fight it. You're not going to settle. You're not going to write a check. So Rusty Harden does his volley and Tony Busby then does his volley. He had written this well before Deshaun Watson answered because he knew exactly as a lawyer what Deshaun Watson would say. And Tony Busby said, as fully anticipated and despite his lawyer's previous statements, Deshaun Watson's only defense is to call these brave women liars. The weak and vague allegations made in defendant's response are demonstrably false. I like that when you put demonstrably in front of false in a statement. Is there any other way to show something is true or false than to demonstrate its truth? It's redundant. They're false because I say so. You wouldn't put that in a statement because that's just you saying they're false. That doesn't hold up in a court of law. They're false and we will prove it in a court of law. That's good. You could say that but they are demonstrably false. We will show you, we're gonna demonstrate why these women have suffered the way they have. Watson can't deny, he continued, that he sought out an unusually high number of women for massages on Instagram. Why didn't Rusty Harden deal with the fact that Deshaun Watson gets hundreds of massages from women on Instagram? Because that's not a crime. It may be a bad plan, but it's not illegal. He doesn't deny he insisted on being nude or nearly nude. How many of you have gotten massages before? 
I'll leave it at that. He can't deny the massage sessions occurred. No. He can't deny he wanted more than a massage. And he has incredibly denied that something had happened during the session. He instead claims that any sexual acts were consensual. Of course, his definition of consent doesn't comport with that of everyone else. Objection, Tony Busby. That's not the law. Consent is defined as a legal term. So the fact that his definition of consent doesn't comport with that of everyone else shows the weakness in your case. What you should have said is his definition of consent doesn't comport with the law in the state of Texas. He then finished. I have faith that the court process will sort out the truth on these matters. This Watson story is not going away, Coca. It's just not. We'll see what happens next. The legal process means that Watson has now answered. Now they enter into a discovery with depositions where all emails and all Instagram messages are given to the other side. The defendant or the respondent in this case, he's not a defendant, it's not a criminal case. He gets to speak to all of the women and depose them and try to get inconsistencies from them. The other side gets to depose and talk to Deshaun Watson and try to get inconsistencies that can be used in court. Depositions are when you have to under oath answer questions and you better answer them honestly because it's going to be brought up again when you are in court in front of the judge. There is no judge at a deposition. There's only a, a reporter who is taking notes. This process will be long. It will not be done short of a settlement. There is no chance that it will be done prior to the start of the next NFL season. It's not even a wait to see. It's a guarantee. The legal process is slow and difficult, which is why so many people are scared of entering it. It can seem overwhelming at times, but it certainly appears to me that Tony Busby and Rusty Harden are in this for the long haul. Well, today is, uh, there's some stuff going on in the world today. If you've been following the trial in Minnesota, the jury is now sequestered in the Derek Chauvin case. It's been a three-week trial, I think. A sequestered jury is sequestered when the judge believes that during the course of either the trial or the deliberation, when the jury gets the case, that they do not want to be subjected or have them subjected to any outside media, outside influences. This case in Minnesota has obviously gotten worldwide attention. There is a member of Congress who went public yesterday, and I'm completely blanking Coca, but I want to say it's Representative Walker. I don't know why that's in my head. I don't think that's right, but it could be. Her name is Maxine Waters. Thank you, Coca, not Walker. She came out and said, if Derek is found not guilty, I expect people to be on the streets. And I expect that you will stay on the streets until change is made. The judge in this case, who's responsible to oversee the trial, but at the end of the day, hands the case over to the jury for the jury to decide. The judge rules on objections during the course of a jury trial, rules on evidence, what can be allowed into 
the trial, what people on the jury are allowed to hear, see, or learn as they get the case given to them to deliberate. The judge in this take took the unusual step in this case to call out Maxine Waters and say, whatever happens in this case, whatever the jury decides, there will be an appeal. And with what Maxine Waters said, if you think that that may not have had a prejudicial impact on the defendant and on this case, then you're crazy. So the irony is Maxine in trying to be helpful in trying to effectuate change may result in the exact opposite. Is the answer after this jury comes out, if it's a non guilty verdict, is the answer to storm the Capitol? Is the answer to throw stones and rocks and loot? No. The answer is to legislatively come up with new rules in different police forces around this country on a state level and a federal level to make sure that something like what happened to George Floyd doesn't happen again. That's what we should be focused on. National Basketball Association, who tries to be ahead at every step, has said that they are fully prepared for a verdict in the Derek Chauvin case. They're very aware that games may have to be postponed. They're aware that players may have issues and may not want to play, and they are totally prepared, Adam Silver said. Totally prepared. What a world we're in, Coca. Leagues in this day and age have to be ready for when players don't want to play, don't want to work because of the emotional toll of actions off the court. And they're 100% right to be focused on that. They're 100% right to be prepared and ready. Because the Derek Chauvin case and the killing of Duante, Duante Wright, Dante Wright, has caused emotional scarring, has opened up the scab that tries to grow over. And the reality is that we will not be able to heal until these killings stop. And the only way for them to stop is for education for policemen and for the understanding of what is acceptable and what is not. Accidents won't stop. People will pay the price when they have an accident and use a taser instead of a gun. But need somebody to the point of death, that can stop. For the NBA to recognize its place in our society, its place in culture, and to recognize the emotional impact that its players feel, they have to do it. We never used to do that. We never used to care what players felt, said, or did. But now we do, and now they do. That's our show today. It's just business. This is nothing personal. 